Let's read in the Word of God to Mark chapter 5. And we're going to read from verse 21 right through to verse 34. Mark chapter 5, verse 21. Let's hear the Word of God. Reading, of course, from the authorized version. Mark 5, verse 21. And when Jesus was passed over again by ship unto the other side, much people gathered unto him, and he was nigh unto the sea. And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her, that she may be healed, and she shall live. And Jesus went with him, and much people followed him and thronged him. And a certain woman which had an issue of blood twelve years, and had suffered many things of many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse. When she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment. For she said, If I may but touch his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and sayest thou, who touched me. And he looked round about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. Amen. We know the Lord will stamp with his own approval and blessing this reading of his own precious and infallible word. Now my text tonight is found in Mark chapter 5 and the verse 34. It reads as follows, And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. Now, my theme tonight I've entitled Understanding the True Nature of Saving Faith. You see, Mark chapter 5, verses 21 through to 34 that I've read to you records two life-changing and powerful miracles performed by the Lord Jesus Christ during his earthly ministry. Earlier, the Lord Jesus had been in the land of the Gadarenes, and had delivered a man possessed of a legion of demons. Now he's sailing back across the Sea of Galilee. He's headed in the direction of a place called Capernaum. Remember, Capernaum is his headquarters, and he's did a lot of mighty miracles there. Once on the shore, as he gets out, a large crowd throng around him. And there's a man there who's called Jairus. He's the ruler of the synagogue. He pushes his way through this crowd, falls before the Savior, and begs him to come with him and heal his daughter. He explains to the Savior, she's only 12, Lord. 
Lord, Lord, she's dying of a fever. Lord, come quickly and put your hand upon her that she might be healed. Now, I want you to think of the Savior. And he's leaving with Jairus and the crowd of people that are with him. And he's going in the direction of the house of Jairus. It's probably next door to the synagogue. So you think of this large crowd thronging him as he went. And in fact, if you look at the uh, text of scripture that we have read together, uh, it it actually says there uh, in the verse 24, and much people followed him and thronged him. You get the same information in Luke chapter 8, verse 42. Now, as he was going there, the house of Jairus, the second great miracle took place. An unnamed woman who was living, we could say, a most pitiful, wretched, miserable kind of life. A woman that we know nothing about, nothing of her background. We don't know if she was married. We don't know if she was widowed. We don't know if she was a mother. We don't know what her occupation was or her station in life. All we're told is this in verse 25. And a certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years. Do you think of that woman tonight pushing her way through that large crowd? Probably quite a feat in itself. Remember, she's a woman. She's got this illness. And despite her weakened condition physically, she reaches out her hand. And she touches the hem of Christ's garment. One of the commentators has suggested, literally, she was stealing a healing. I like that. Stealing a healing. That was probably her intention. She slipped in from behind. She wanted to touch the hem of his garment from behind and slip out again and remain anonymous. And suddenly Christ stopped. Who touched me? He cried out. The disciples thought he was being naive. Incredible, you should ask, who touched you? Lord, think of the multitude that's all thronging around you, bumping and jostling with each other. How can you ask who touched me? The Bible tells us he not only asked the question, who touched me? But he said this, verse 32, and he looked around about to see her that had done this thing. The Bible tells us that the woman came in fear and trembling. Now she's fallen down before him. Now she's at his feet. And she tells him the whole story. She confessed to him about her needy condition, the thoughts that she had in her mind, what she said to herself in her heart, what she did with the hand. And notice what he said to her. Look look at verse 34 now. Here's our text. And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. Wasn't that an amazing word of comfort? Daughter. I like that word. Daughter. He said to her, Thy faith hath made thee whole. There was counsel here. This wasn't magic. This was me. And the real cause of your healing was your gift of faith in me. There was an amazing word of confession here. Because it says, and told him all the truth. He added the words, go in peace. And behold of thy 
plague. I was thinking of this story this week. I was thinking to myself, do we really understand the true nature of saving faith? Do we really know what true saving faith is? Let me try and explain some things to you from this story. I want you to think of the obstacle to her faith. Notice the words in the text, and behold of thy plague. Thy plague. There was the obstacle to her faith. Now think of this woman. Think of her needy condition, the life that she lived. Certainly she lived a miserable, pathetic kind of life for at least 12 years. The woman was enslaved to a huge amount of pain. You'd have to say, well, life was unbearable. She no doubt found it hard and difficult. We could say, well, this woman has really hit rock bottom. Life for her was tragic. This woman was a walking tragedy. Maybe that's the way you feel and think about yourself tonight. And your needy condition is an obstacle to faith. Think of her disease. Notice the word here. Um, thy plague. Mark um, 5 and 25 calls it an issue of blood. Uh, so does Dr. Luke in Luke chapter 8. And we know that in all accounts, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, she suffered it 12 years. We'll not go into the exact details of her problem, but it made this woman an unclean woman. She was lawfully unclean. If you turn over there to the book of Leviticus, Leviticus chapter 15 and verse 19. We read these words, Leviticus 15 and 19. For those online, the words will come up on the screen, but listen to this. And if a woman have an issue, and her issue in her flesh be blood, she shall be put apart seven days, and whosoever toucheth her shall be unclean until the even. Verse 25. And if a woman have an issue of blood many days, out of the time of her separation, or if it run beyond the time of her separation, all the days of the issue of her uncleanness shall be as the days of her separation. She shall be unclean. Now I could read many other verses, but will not. You think of how this uncleanness would have restrained her. Home life, family, friends, social life. Even spiritual life in relation of going to the synagogue. This woman was unclean in the eyes of the law. This woman therefore was forbidden to mingle. She could not mingle in the synagogue. She could not mingle at home. She had to be separate from her husband. She had to be separate from her children if she had one. She, she sort of cut off socially. And haven't many felt like that even because of this coronavirus? And, and this woman was cut off, removed from friends, not for one year. But for 12 long years, it was as if this woman was living a complete stranger kind of life. Now think of her disappointment. This woman desired a cure. If you actually look at Mark chapter 5, it tells us in the story, verse 26, And she suffered many things of many physicians, and had spent all that she had had, and was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse. Now you think of this woman who spent all that she had on gaining meetings with doctors and physicians and they applied their probably homemade remedies and she's not one bit better. 
Despite her cry for help, her desire for healing, all these doctors were powerless to cure. They were probably clueless as well. They couldn't alleviate her problem. There was no improvement. There was no betterment. Twelve years of dashed hopes. Much physical weakness and pain. Think of her destitution. It says in verse 26, and had spent all that she had. She used her wealth. Her personal possessions, maybe sold them. They were all gone. She spent it all in order to be healed. You think of the first doctor. You think of the second doctor, the third doctor, the fourth doctor. It says in the Bible here, physicians. It's in the plural. We don't know how many she had. But the quality of her life just got worse and worse. Let me say something else. This woman was not only diseased with a plague and disappointed in life and destitute of all that she had, but this woman was depressed. This woman had a miserable physical condition that impacted on her mental health. The state, as far as she was concerned, was hopeless. And she was in this state not for one week or one month or one year, but 12 years. Could we feel the impact of that? All the effort and expense that she had came to nothing. One of the commentators suggests that this woman was a walking tragedy. Did you know that the word tragedy is connected to goat rearing? And if you think about a tragedy gnawing away at your heart and mind, you've got the picture. Because that's what a goat does when it's tethered. It gnaws away at whatever's in front of it, the wood or the rope. This woman felt this tragedy. This sorrow was something that had come in that was gnawing away at her heart and mind. And maybe that's where you're at tonight. And maybe that um, uh, tragedy has to do with a sudden bereavement. Maybe it has to do with a sudden illness that has struck you or a family member. Maybe it has to do with a sudden calamity that's come and it's affected your life. It's affecting your heart and mind and it's gnawing away at you and you feel, but my life's in a mess. I'm in turmoil tonight. You don't know what's going on inside my head. And what's in your head is eating away at you as far as your heart is concerned. And you're thinking, there's no hope for me. And I want to tell you tonight, people, There's many people struggling with mental health issues. And they're in the throes of depression. And we need to remember them. And I want to tell you, it's not just something that's in your head. That is something that's real. That is a real problem. It's a real illness. Now I want to use this woman tonight because I see in this woman a graphic picture of the life of sin. You see, sin leaves us like a disease at work in the life. It's a plague. It's something that controls us. But sin leaves us unclean before God. Sin affects the whole life, the mind, the soul, the heart, the will. Sin defiles us. Sin leaves us destitute. It doesn't bring us lasting peace. The pleasures of sin are only for a season, young people. Whether it's drugs or drink or the party scene, think of the prodigal son. When he spent all that he had, he came to destitution. See, sin also brings us into a state of despair where you feel hopeless. 
And sin messes with your head. Is sin messing with your head tonight as a young person? And you feel full of guilt? And you feel full of shame? And you feel unclean? Maybe it's a secret sin tonight? Sin's a real problem. It affects us all. But secret sin really affects us. And so does open sin. And I want to ask the question tonight, and do so lovingly. Is this a description of you? You have no power and ability and self to remove or reverse what's happening in your life. You, you can't remove its powerful effect. See, this woman realized that nothing or nobody could help her. The woman realized there's not one man can help me, cure me, or save me. And I want you to realize that tonight. All the physicians failed. Doctor called religion fails. Doctor good works fails. Doctor church fails. Doctor nicety and doctor lovey-dovey. They fail. They can't help you. They can't heal you. They can't save you. There's not one of them could or can. Not one of them had the power to meet her need. And then this woman realizes that's an obstacle to her faith, her disease, her disappointments, her, her, her destitution, her depression. And then the woman discovers something. She realizes there's one. And he's on the shore of Galilee outside Capernaum. And he's called Jesus of Nazareth. He's the promised Messiah. He's the Son of God, the Savior of the world. And he can meet my need. And you know, that's the message we need to get out. Right across the country tonight, in our community and beyond, that Jesus Christ is the answer to men's need. That Jesus Christ is the end of every spiritual quest that an individual has. For what did the Savior say to this woman? Look at verse 20, 34 again. Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. This woman was to discover that she had to look away from self to the Savior. Not only the obstacles to her faith, but look at the, the object of her faith. He says, daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Now let's think for a moment of the essence of faith here. Thy faith. You see, Matthew 9, 22 mentions thy faith. So does Luke 8 and verse 48. In other words, this touch in the hem of his garment had nothing to do with magic. It had everything to do with the master. Remember what the master said whenever he stopped and asked, who touched me? It says in verse 30, and immediately, Jesus immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press, that's the crowd, and said, who touched me? My clothes. And you see, young people tonight, listen to me carefully. Take the word faith, F-A-I-T-H, and here's an acrostic that the late Dr. Paisley taught me and many others years ago, and it's simply this. Forsaking all, I trust him, or I take him. That's the essence of faith. And that's the common thread of all the Holy Scriptures. Habakkuk 2 and 4, the just shall live by faith. Paul quoted those words three other times in the New Testament. The book of Romans, the book of Hebrews, the book of Galatians. The just shall live. How? 
by faith. That's the teaching of both testaments, old and new. John 3 and 16 comes to mind. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The word faith and the word believeth means exactly the same thing. And true saving faith remembers the gift of God. For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves is the gift of God, not of works as any man should boast. And the essence of faith is this. It's saving faith in Christ Jesus the Lord. So what is faith tonight? You, you want a simple answer. Here's a simple answer. Forsaking all, I take him or I trust him. That's what faith is. Notice also here very quickly, not only the essence of faith, but, but think about the elements of faith. Here's the elements that this woman realized. It says in verse 27, if you look at Mark 5, when she had heard of Jesus. Now, now we'll pause there. She heard of Christ. There's the first element. True faith begins when you hear about the lovely Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And we learned this morning there's two kinds of hearing. There's the hearing of the ear and the hearing of faith. Galatians 3 and 2. And the woman realized, it dawned on her, my greatest need is Christ. Because she heard about him. No longer is she willing to entrust herself to these many physicians and doctors. Twelve years she's done that. She's been in that condition. And she's remained helpless and hopeless. In fact, she's got worse. And now she hears not only of these physicians, but she hears of the great physician. And the hearing of the ear led to the hearing of faith. He's the only one who can help me. The only one who can cure me. The only one who can save me. Now, how did she realize that? The simple answer is, she heard of Christ. How did she hear of Christ? Well, remember where this event took place, on the shore of Galilee, outside the town of Capernaum. That was the headquarters of Christ. And if you turn over there to Matthew, and look with me at Matthew chapter 11 and verse 23, I want you to understand what the Savior said about Capernaum. Matthew 11, verse 23, this is what he said. And thou, Capernaum, which are exalted unto heaven, shall be brought down to hell. For if the mighty works which have been done in thee had been done in Sodom, it have remained unto this day. Now, I'm not going to interpret that verse at this time, but I just want you to think of Capernaum. It was exalted unto heaven in the sense that the Savior was there, and there was many mighty miracles wrought in that particular little town. And there was many mighty messages brought from the lips of the Savior to that little town. And obviously, the fishermen... Obviously, this woman had a friends and possibly family there. But wherever the news came to her, it had to come out of Capernaum. And she heard of Christ in the town. I believe not only had she heard of Christ, but I believe she had to have a second element, and that was the knowledge of Christ. You see, the knowledge of Christ is vital as a component to true saving faith. 
True saving faith, young people, is not based in ignorance. In order to have faith, you need to be informed of something before you can be believe it. There's a story told about an old water pump. Some of the men here who are a lot older would know what an old water pump looked like and what it did. But this particular water pump was on the edge of the desert somewhere in California. And of course it was used for um, travelers and hikers. And it had a sign on it. And, and the sign said this, the water in the canister is left to prime the pump. Use it wisely. And what you had to do was you had to lift the lid. You had to pour the water in, wait a few seconds, and then begin to pump the handle. And then, of course, the water would pump out. Your need would be supplied and you'd be replenished. And, of course, then you would also fill up the water container for the next traveler. Now, any individual traveler that came and wanted a drink of water had to read the statement. They had to have a knowledge of what to do. But they also had to believe that statement. And you see, the measure of knowledge was about Jesus Christ. And the measure of knowledge about the personal work of Christ is essential to true faith. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Not only the act of believing, as we said this morning, but that body of doctrine that is to be believed about Christ. How important it is to tell others then about the Lord Jesus Christ, who he is, what he's like, and what he's done. The Bible asks the question, how can they call on him of whom they have not heard? And why have they not heard? Is it because we haven't actually talked to them? Is it because we haven't told them of him who's mighty to save? You see, it's obvious to me in the story, simply, but this woman believed what she heard. And it impacted on her heart and mind. There was the hearing of the ear, but there was the hearing of faith. This woman had a knowledge of Christ. And that Christ became the object of her desire. And, and she had faith in him. Because not only was there a hearing of Christ and a knowledge of Christ, but there was a touching of Christ. Look with me at verse, um, it says here in verse 28, For she said, If I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. Is not the same word that the Savior said? Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. See, this woman believed, having heard, having had this knowledge in her mind, if I but touch his clothes, I'll be whole. This man is part of healing me. This man has healed others. And what he did for them, glory to God, he can do for me. That's the thought. You see, that's the element of faith. But then think also of the exercise of faith. Because there wasn't just a hearing, and wasn't just a knowledge, and wasn't just a touch. But there was an actual coming to Christ. Now I want you to think of this. She had faith in Christ's person. He's not just a man, he's the Messiah. Not just a good man and a great man, he's the God man. And if I but touch his clothes, I shall behold. She had faith in Christ's presence because Christ was everything to her and where Christ was, she wanted to be, even in the middle of the crowd. She had faith in Christ's pardon. I'm dreadfully unclean. I have no right to touch him. Remember, she's unclean by the law. And my uncleanness is a big obstacle. 
And I have nothing to offer Christ and have nothing to recommend myself to Christ. And I'm not worthy to touch his clothes. But she had faith in Christ's pardon. She had faith in Christ's power. If I but touch his clothes, not, not his arm, not his leg, not his head, just his clothes. Can you see the picture there? Has she heard of Christ from the land of the Gadarenes? Has she heard of Christ in Capernaum? He is able. He is willing. He has power and authority. He's not a mere man. He's the Messiah. He's the God man. And he heals diseases. And he heals demons. And he heals difficulties. And he heals death. And there had to be faith in Christ's pity. Just in the Bible say, The Lord knoweth our frame. He remembereth that we are dust. And like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. Let me ask this. Do you have faith in Christ's person? Do you have faith in Christ's presence, his pardon, his power, his pity? Remember the story of Spurgeon, 16 years of age, a young man in church on a Sabbath morning. It's snowy in London. The usual preacher, because of the snowstorm, doesn't turn up. It's one of the deacons. And he preached from Isaiah 45 and 22. Look unto me, all ye ends of the earth, and be ye saved. And he looked down at Spurgeon, and he says, Young man, you look miserable. And he says, Young man, you'll be miserable until you stop looking at yourself and start looking at the Savior. And that's exactly it. And that's what this woman did. She started looking at the Savior, his person, his presence, his pardon, his power, his pity. Don't look at the church. It's not the church that saves. It's Christ. Don't look at religion. It's the Redeemer that saves. Don't start living by a set of rules. There's only one Savior. And as he said, I'm the way, the truth, the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. And this woman, here's the exercise of her faith. Having heard Having had knowledge, having said, if I but touch the hem of his garment, she actually came to Christ. Look at verse 27. When she heard of Jesus, came in the press. That's the crowd. Nothing to do with Belfast Telegraph. She came in the press. Notice the word behind. And touched his garment. Luke says she touched the border of his garment. Matthew 9.20 says she touched the hem of his garment. This woman pressed through the large crowd, came to where Christ was, and touched the hem of his garment, and that represents his finished work. She came to Christ. She had knowledge of him. She laid hold of him. Not any of the disciples. Not Peter, James, or John. Not, not Mary, or, or any of Christ's brothers. But she came directly to the Savior. She ventured her all on him. And you have to come directly to the Lord Jesus tonight. You've maybe heard of Christ. You've knowledge of him. You, you said, if I but touch him in your needy condition. But you haven't yet come. You see, the coming is the final component part of faith. It's not just an intellectual belief. It's not just mental ascent. There's this actual coming and receiving and resting on Christ or, or touching him or taking hold of him. She came to Christ deliberately. You think of all the jostling of the crowd that was going on that day. Christ asked, who touched me? This woman, remember, came from behind. 
She felt unworthy. She didn't want to draw attention to herself. She was probably reserved. She, she was maybe ashamed to, to come to Christ. But she came decidedly. I must get to Christ. She didn't let the crowd put her off. She didn't let family or friends put her off. She come to Christ. Don't let family or friends put you off from coming to Christ. The world hates the gospel. The world hates and despises the people of God. The world will laugh at you. The world will mock you. Don't let the crowd keep you from Christ. Don't let peer pressure, family or friends, keep you from Christ. The hymn writer said, step out in the promise. Get under the blood. Notice not only the object of her faith, which was Christ, but notice in closing the outcome of her faith. There's a lovely word of comfort here. He said, daughter, daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. That's a family term. This woman was, was looked upon now as a daughter of Abraham, a child of God. And the moment you have faith in Christ and you exercise that faith, you become a child of God. You become a son or a daughter of God. Notice also here that there, there was a, a great confession. Christ said unto her, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. This woman came in fear and trembling. She told Christ the whole truth, standing there telling him the whole story. It wasn't a private matter. This was a public confession of her faith. Now she's before Christ, no longer behind. Now she can't be hidden. Now she's in full view. Because the Bible tells us there in the book of Romans, in Romans chapter 10 and verse 9 and 10, and I read it this morning, but let me read it again uh, to you. Um, Romans 10 and uh, 9 and 10, the apostle Paul says this, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. There was great comfort here. There was a great confession here. There was great counsel. Go in peace. Thy faith hath made thee whole. The woman was healed immediately. Christ was active as far as his ministry was concerned. And what did he say to her by way of counsel? Not only was she made whole, but she was told, go in peace. She wasn't to feel guilt. She wasn't to feel shame because grace has no guilt. She was to go home in peace, which means safety, certainty, and enjoyment. And the Bible says, therefore, being justified by faith, what have we got? We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And not only peace with God, but we can know the peace of God that passes understanding. Here's the outcome of her faith. She's designated a daughter. Christ calls her that. He brings her to the point of confession and he gives her this counsel. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Not magic, it's me. And your faith in me, this gift of faith that you were given to hear of me and of knowledge of me and to believe that if you but touched the hem of my garment and you actually came and touched me, that has changed your life. That has made you whole. And I say to you tonight, if you ask yourself the question, what is 
saving faith. Saving faith is simply this, forsaking all. I trust him. May the Lord help us to understand the elements, the essence, and even the exercise of faith. And may we experience this wonderful outcome of having Christ giving us the same counsel. Maybe you're here and you're struggling tonight. Christ can say to you, son or daughter, he can tell you to go home in peace. He can tell you thy faith has made you whole. If you have but faith in Christ. May the Lord take these few thoughts and bless them to you this evening.